Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. Today, we are going to talk about a very important issue, free speech, religious freedom, the media, and are they an enemy of the people in America? And that's not a rhetorical question. Before we open in prayer and get to today's topic, I want to uh, share just who we had scheduled for today, and um, Ryan Bomberger was going to be on with us. Uh, he needs prayer. I got a message from his wife uh, several days ago. He was scheduled. We put him in for today. He's not going to make it. He experienced a pulmonary embolism resulting in a blood clot in each lung. So he's in the hospital. This family's asking that you join them in prayer for complete healing, that you would commit to believing with them for every attack of the enemy to be thwarted, that God would get the glory through this, what he's going through, and that Ryan's voice would continue to impact our culture. He is an amazing pro-life man of God, and you can find out more about him by going to the radiancefoundation.org. Radiancefoundation.org. Life has a purpose. You can find out more about Ryan Bomberger. Uh, due to the blood clots, though, Ryan has had to cancel some speeches and uh, business trips, which is their primary way of income. So there is a GoFundMe set up for Ryan Bomberger, B-O-M-B-E-R-G-E-R. And God willing, he'll be healed, recover, and get out of the hospital, continue to be a voice for life and for truth in this country, and um, we'll hopefully get him rescheduled again in the near future, God willing. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to uh, talk about things that are so important right now, not only in the country, but in the church where Christians are concerned. Lord, give us that worldview that we need to fight and battle the darkness and help us to understand that balance between grace and truth and help us to always speak the truth in love. Uh, We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shorter prayer today because I'm going to open with another prayer in a minute. But first, I had a message come in I want to share with you because I get so many that are like this. Um, Her name is Barbara. She said, uh, your interaction with Jan Markell on her radio program is of such significant importance. I would like to know if you have a video link to the sermon, and can you tell me when and where that boot camp for pastors took place? Well, I mentioned, I replied to her, that was in uh, early September, Dallas, Texas. It was called America at the Crossroads. A lot of people are looking up these Patriot pastors, and we've had a lot of them on our podcast since then. And she said, I would really like to pass this information along to the pastors at my church who seem to be falling into more and more of the deceiving radical left thinking. I have been there for more than 10 years at my church, and they refuse to address anything that relates to what is going on in our city, state, and country, and the world, because to them, it all smacks of, quote, politics. I have asked politely over and over, provided them with a wealth of information, and they just ignore me. I continue to try, however. I will not give up. I would really appreciate being able to provide them a link to uh, the teachings about biblical importance and mandate from God to speak the truth on issues impacting our country and threats against our freedoms and family. And, of course, I'm stopping now. Um, You can go to libertypastors.com. If you want to get some of those presentations, libertypastors.com, look up at the top menu bar, look for presentations, and you'll get all these videos and teachings. And she says about her pastors, this is their responsibility, 
and they have been ignoring it far too long. Most of the pastors in this country have been ignoring it. I thought about buying your book for my pastor, which I may do, but would like a video as well, as I don't think he will take the time to read a book. Thank you so much in advance. God bless you for what you are doing. So I read this because I get so many similar comments about believers in different churches going to their leaders, their pastors, and hopefully, friends, when you do this, you go out of respect and in love and um, understanding what a difficult job being a pastor is, especially in this day and age when the, the country and the church is so divided. So it's unfortunate that these responses often reveal a pride or an unwillingness to stand against the evil in this nation and in our culture and that has infected the church now. So it's really sad. But before we continue, I want to thank you. Um, it appears that someone with influence, maybe just a, a lot of you who are listening, have been sharing this blog post, uh, the best of 2020 podcasts featuring pastors and patriots on God and government. We just posted that a few days ago. I think it was Wednesday. And you guys, God bless you. Um, I know you're sharing it because a lot of people are accessing this. So before we continue, another prayer. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, uh, we exalt you and acknowledge that you are Lord of all. In my lifetime, we have fallen from lifelong marriages to broken homes and fatherless children if they escape abortion, and over 60 million children did not. We beg your mercy and forgiveness. We have fallen from teaching our children respect for authority, leading to chaos in our homes, our schools, and our streets. We repent of our neglect. Regarding entertainment, we have fallen from decency to indecency, from starting and ending every broadcast day with devotions and the Pledge of Allegiance, to 24-7 programming, peddling smut, mocking what is good and godly, and answering only to the question, does it sell? From rarely hearing profanity to becoming a profane nation of vile and corrupt speech, God, please forgive us. We've fallen from respecting and revering our police to despising, defunding, and attacking them. We've fallen from safe cities, schools, and neighborhoods to murder, school shootings, and rioting, from law-abiding to lawlessness, calling evil good and good evil. Father, you alone can forgive and heal our land. Protesters have demanded and secured the right to march and riot in our streets while we submitted to tyrants who forbade us our First Amendment right and your command to gather as your people. We were told liquor stores are essential, churches are not, and we humbly seek your forgiveness. Who is to blame? No one more than those who call ourselves men of God, the preachers, the pastors, the leaders. We are to blame. We have too often been seeker-sensitive, focusing on what might be relevant and what might build the crowd, rather than being sensitive to you, letting you build the church while we proclaim your truth unapologetically. Hence, there is little fear of you in the land. What used to amaze us now amuses us. We blush at nothing. Lord, we acknowledge our sin and seek restoration. Isaiah, your prophet, described our day. He says, You, O Lord, will take away the prophets and judges. Isaiah speaks of a day when men without core values will rule, while those who claim to have values refuse to get involved or even vote. The people will live under oppression with homosexuality and radical feminism, and that's being rampant now until you finally say enough is enough. We live in such a time. Help us, O Lord, we pray. In Isaiah 5.5, you say, Now I will tell you what I am going to do. I will take away the hedge, and you will be destroyed. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, we beg you to give us more time to not take away your hedge from around our nation. We are here right now in this moment to acknowledge our sin before the world and to ask you once again 
visit our nation with a third great awakening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now that was Pastor and Dr. Rick Scarborough for an event in Washington, D.C. where around 100,000 people gathered to pray. And it is he, Rick is one of the pastors we interviewed recently last week, um, and you can look that up in our Patriot Podcast post. And that's Rick Scarborough, Enough is Enough, Time to Recover America. I thought that was a wonderful prayer. So now, the digital war that's been happening, um, th- you probably heard of this if you pay attention, a bombshell story that should have, it could have, a major impact on the presidential race that's being suppressed by mainstream media and big tech censors. New York Post editor Sorab Amari tried to post the story on Twitter. His tweet was blocked. He called it a big tech information coup. He said, this is a digital civil war. He said, I, an editor at the New York Post, one of the nation's largest papers by circulation, can't post one of our own stories that details corruption by a major party presidential candidate, Joe Biden, and White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany claims Twitter locked her account, and she, until she deletes a tweet about this New York Post story about Hunter Biden. Facebook also suppressed the story by limiting its distribution. Now, these are potential violations of election law. Friends, for those of you paying attention, hello, this is a crime. Even House Minority Whip Steve Scalise is calling out Twitter for censoring an official government tweet. He says Twitter censors the U.S. House of Representatives, but not propaganda from communist China and Iran. Let that sink in. So the House Judiciary, uh, they said Twitter censored our last link, so we put the article here on Jim Jordan's website. Now... I'm going to share a clip from you right now from uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, This is amazing, guys. The New York Post is reporting on Joe and Hunter Biden's corrupt business dealings, and it's being hidden, censored, or banned on big tech media outlets. So a couple days ago, Senate Judiciary Committee, um, I guess they'll vote to subpoena, or they voted to subpoena Twitter's Jack Dorsey. Listen to this. We have seen big tech, we've seen Twitter and Facebook actively interfering in this election in a way that has no precedent in the history of our country. Yesterday, the New York Post broke a story alleging serious corruption of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden concerning Ukraine. The allegations in the New York Post story, if true, indicate that Vice President Biden lied when he said he had never discussed his son's business dealings. That story, once the New York Post broke it, was blocked by Twitter and Facebook. Anyone who attempted to share it was prevented from sharing it on Twitter or Facebook. The New York Post itself, when it attempted to put out its story, was blocked on Twitter and Facebook. The New York Post has the fourth largest circulation of any newspaper in this country. Never before have we seen active censorship of a major press publication with serious allegations of corruption of one of the two candidates for president. That was last night. This morning, the story escalated and got even worse. The New York Post broke a second story of a series of emails that indicate yet more corruption in this instance the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China government officials. Just minutes ago, I tried to share that story on Twitter. And Twitter is actively blocking right now this instant stories from the New York Post alleging corruption and the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China. This is election interference, and we are 19 days out from an election. It has no precedent in the history of democracy. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. And we want to know what's going on, too. And if you're upset that you just heard the word hell on Christian radio, then I don't know what to say, friends, because you... 
I pray you are not burying your head in the sand here. This is one of our biggest issues in this country now, the threats that are coming against free speech, and you know already the hostility towards Christians. That You can look that up, by the way. You can watch the whole video. Um, breaking news, Daily Wire, the Daily Wire, Senators to subpoena Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey for actively interfering in election. They investigated President Trump for three years and found nothing, no collusion, and spent millions and millions of taxpayer dollars. And that was constant news. We had news fatigue from that. And something like this comes out and they're not even touching it, if they mention it at all, there's a problem with the Democrat media in America, friends, and I will prove to you that they are Democrats, liberals, and progressives that don't have your best interest in mind. Next segment, I will show you who they give money to and the percentages of campaign donations from the major Silicon Valley big tech outfits. But first, conservatives must fight big tech Believers, Christians, if you value religious freedom, which enables us to share the gospel, do you believe in sharing the gospel, the value of being faithful and obedient to the Great Commission? Then we better value free speech, friends. We better stop taking it for granted. Just like the media, big tech is the Democrat Party. It's an arm of their party, and the party is big tech, but Unlike the media, big tech controls the marketplace of ideas to an unprecedented degree. They have changed public opinion on almost everything we value from God's word. From the creation account, the true story of Genesis. Right? They've put down that. They've promoted evolution. They promote moral relativism. We will get to that in the third segment. Moral relativism and murder, abortion. Republicans and Democrats are both unhappy with the Internet, so let's just agree on that. But Republicans are upset because there's too much censorship, and Democrats are upset because there isn't enough censorship. The Democrats who once championed a free Internet now view it the same way all totalitarians do. It speaks volumes not only about the death of, of liberalism, what it used to be, but also about the transformation of the Internet. Democrats shifted their stance on the web, on the Internet, because they gained control of core national institutions. We've said this, forgive me for being redundant, so many times on this podcast. They control academia, public schools from K through 12 through the university system. Christians are no longer welcome. In no small part, they also, through the growing fortunes pouring out of Silicon Valley, which have uh, tilted elections, financed political movements, and transformed public perspectives on social issues. They own Planned Parenthood. They own Hollywood, the entertainment industry. How influential do you think Hollywood and the ent entertainment, the music interest industry is? Well, it's owned by the left, and you know that. Corporations, they're using their newfound power now in big tech to do what the powerful always do, dismantle the safeguards of an open society so that there are no more threats to their power. Now, they're doing this under the guise of fighting for, quote, equality and justice and of waging a revolution for the oppressed, right? They're fighting for the little person. But you know who else did that? Modern tyrants from Stalin to Hitler to Mao. The country is now much less conservative. The institutions are much less open. And that's all that's left right now is shutting down the opposition. Christians, conservatives, Independent support for free speech is a matter of principle and practical politics. America was built on this principle, but the founding fathers had a common sense assessment of human nature. Free societies may be built on principles, but they survive through a balance of power. And we are at a 
tipping point of losing that balance, the fundamental development that explains the current crisis, not only of free speech, but of free elections and a free country, the Internet. Free countries have a robust marketplace of ideas. Those countries that are not free are obsessed with censoring speech, monitoring their citizens, all the while spinning paranoid fantasies about foreign interference. The problem isn't simply radicalism, it's power. The problem of big tech can't be separated from the problem of a political movement with too much power. When we come back, we'll show you exactly how much the Democrats invest in big tech and who owns them. And we'll answer the question, we'll investigate the question, is evil too strong a word to describe the media? That and more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. There is an alternative to Twitter. It's called Parler, Parler Parler.com, P-A-R-L-E-R.com. And uh, I'm on there, uh, at David Fio, at David Fio. You can follow all of your favorite uh, Christians, pastors, conservative uh, commentators, pundits, and news outlets that um, it will not be censored. They are uh, conservatives have been fed up with censorship on Twitter and Facebook. Many of them are going to Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R.com. Look me up at David Fio. Now, Facebook and Twitter, here's the, the end of the story. If you want to go, go turn off the radio right now, they contribute over 90% uh, to Democrats. Open Secrets records or records revealed that for all federal candidates, both Facebook and Twitter gave over 90% of their political contribution to Democrats so far. The top recipient, Joe Biden. There's clearly no doubt where these big tech companies stand politically. Now, for Twitter, all federal candidates, meaning all the ones that, that were running, running on the Democrat ticket, Twitter has contributed 98.9% of its donations to Democrats. Did you hear that? 98.9% of its donations go to Democrats. Facebook has contributed 91.68%. That means $2.4 million were contributed to Democrats from Facebook and uh, let's see, um, two, 2.4, only 8.3% went to Republicans. Well, at least there's 8%, right? So you know how slanted these big tech media companies are. You know who they support, and they control ideas, news stories, our posts on social media outlets. Biden received a sizable 25% of total contributions Facebook has made to all federal um, candidates. So when Twitter locked the New York Post out of its account, now, by the way, the New York Post is a 219-year-old newspaper. Twitter, as we mentioned in the first segment, even locked the White House press secretary out of her account because she just tried to share the Post story. And Facebook's policy, communications director Andy Stone, said Facebook would be reducing its distribution of that New York Post story. Who's Andy Stone? He once worked as a press secretary for former Senator Democrat Barbara Boxer in California. And Andy Stone was a member of former Secretary of State John Kerry's presidential campaign in 2004. Recently, um, Facebook and Google were exposed for partnering with the leftist organization Democracy Works to help formulate their 2020 election strategies. So America needs to raise its voice. And you better now, friends, while you still have free speech against these big tech companies now or they may indeed succeed in influencing this 2020 election in a couple weeks to produce an outcome that suits their leftist agenda. Forgive me for being redundant. We don't have answers for 
our Stand Up For The Truth Facebook page. I've been so frustrated. I've been willing to shut it down several times and just stop even posting on it because we we have, I think it's 24,000 plus people that like the page or follow us or our quote friends on Stand Up For The Truth Facebook. But when we post the daily podcast, which links to StandUpForTheTruth.com, let me just go back. Um, let's just see. I, it's so this uh, internet is kind of slow in here. Um, it's like two or three people like it. Isn't that interesting? Twenty four thousand plus friends like the Stand Up for the Truth podcast page on Facebook. Twenty four thousand two hundred eighteen uh, for those keeping score at home. But now I'm on the page, and I will go to the number of people who actually liked the podcast yesterday, three. Two people shared it. Three people liked it. Um, it's, you know, that's just, you, do you understand the problem here? How is that remotely possible without being hidden from people's news feeds? Do you understand how that works? You post it, so they're allowing you the freedom to post and share whatever you want. It's just that no one sees it. Let's go to the day before. Um, Leslie Montgomery's podcast, we posted that. The Faith of Mike Pence, she's got that book out. Two people liked it, and one person shared it. Let's go to the um, big best of 2020, Patriots and Pastors podcast, the day before, Wednesday, which is getting a lot of traffic, but not from our Facebook page. On our Facebook page, it says, ready to be stirred up, encouraged, challenged. Check out these podcasts and resources. Three people liked it. Okay, on one post. Let's see, I think we posted it twice. Ooh, five people liked that one, and three people shared it. <laughs> Do you see the problem, guys? We've got 24,000-plus people that supposedly liked the page at some point or are following us on Facebook, and... Um, that's just the way it is. We, we are, there's no way around that. Other posts, we'll post something about, you know, it's pumpkin, pice, uh, pumpkin spice season, and we'll get a couple hundred likes on that. So back to Silicon Valley opening their wallet for Joe Biden. This is an analysis done by Wired. 95% of contributions by employees of six big tech firms have gone to Joe Biden. 95%. Um, Alphabet, I don't even know what Alphabet is, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and Oracle have contributed nearly 20 times as much money to Joe Biden and the Democrats since the beginning of 2019. Employees at this six companies have contributed $4.78 million to Joe Biden. And two hundred thirty-nine thousand to President Trump. So that we don't need to get into any more of that. I think you guys get the point. Two big issues to big tech. Employees have made it known in recent years that they care deeply about issues such as. First of all, before I give that away, what are the most important issues to you? You're listening right now. You're obviously a a Christian. Maybe you're a conservative. Maybe you're. Um, you call yourself a, a committed believer of Jesus Christ or follower or disciple of Jesus Christ. You believe in the whole counsel of God, that the Bible is inerrant and the Bible is true. You're listening to this podcast. Um, what are the most important issues to you? Obviously, um, free speech to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what else? Would life, would life be an issue? Uh, protecting babies in the womb? You know, the Bible considers a baby, to, uh, pregnant woman to be with child. And, uh, you know, we are, there's personhood established at the moment of conception. Do you consider life to be a big issue? What about family? What about marriage between one man and one woman, natural marriage? What about creation? God created them male and female. Well, in the next segment, we're going to get into a story that they're celebrating transgenderism and moral relativism in our country now. In the public square. Uh, the, what about the military? What about uh, the economy? What about—so um, there's so many other issues, right? Um, 
big tech employees say that there are two big issues that they're most concerned about, climate change and diversity. <clears throat> climate change and diversity. What does climate change lead to? Environmental extremism, not based on science, they're still figuring that out, friends. The climate's always changing. It has been for quite a while. So what does that lead to? The belief that man is the problem. Mankind is the problem. There's too many people on the earth. We better start limiting births. So population control it comes into the picture. And then, oh, there's too many old people, so euthanasia is more accepted. Climate change and environmental, you, once you put that up on a pedestal as one of your big issues, which big tech companies do, then climate change becomes the God. You worship the environment rather than the God who created that environment. And Christians, this has been going on, and it's just growing for years. So um, I said I was going to get to this article by Scott Lively. By the way, he's one of the pastors. He's one of the pastors that we had in our blog at standupforthetruth.com. Uh, best of... 2020 podcasts on God and government. Scott Lively is one we interviewed uh, about three weeks ago on masculine Christianity that confronts evil. He said this, three important questions that need to be asked about the news media and America's future. Number one, can the fourth estate ever be restored to its former integrity? I'll tell you about the fourth estate in a minute. Does the First Amendment, freedom of press, grant immunity to these I don't know, big tech companies and everybody else. Does President Trump have any power to force positive change other than simply exposing the media's corruption and calling it fake news and saying, people, be careful what you believe? Does he have any power as the executive branch? 18th century order, you probably heard of him, Sir Edmund Burke once said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men, and I'll say good people, for good Christians to do nothing. He's the one who first named the news media the fourth estate, equivalent in power to shape public policy to the first three, the church, the nobility, and the commoners. If Burke were here today... He would undoubtedly be chastising conservatives for not for virtually having done nothing to stop the media industry from becoming so grossly evil. And if evil, you if you think it's too strong a word here, Proverbs six, Proverbs six, verse sixteen through nineteen says, "These six things the Lord hates." <gasps> Ooh, that word hate. How often is that in Scripture? We're supposed to be loving and tolerant, and merciful, and patient, and peaceable. These three things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, planned parenthood. A heart that, no, that's not, planned parenthood is not in the proverb. I just inserted that. A proud look, a lying tongue. Oh, I already said that. Uh, a proud look. Um, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Edmund Burke was a member of the Whig Party, W-H-I-G, formed in the, in the 1680s to force British, the British monarchy to accept limitations on its power through the adoption of a constitution. That constitutionalist movement became a cornerstone of the political philosophy of the American colonists, culminating a century later in our Declaration of Independence and Constitution, including the First Amendment's protections of the speech, religion, and of the press. The First Amendment has been under heavy assault for quite a long time now by the leftists, the liberals, progressives, Marxists, and atheists, and others, secularists. 
especially related to conservative social values, the freedom of the press, which has grown increasingly more leftist in personnel and in perspective since the 1960s, has not been curtailed at all. Immunity from any meaningful accountability to become full-fledged partisans now in a coup to overthrow a duly elected president. Well-documented revolving door between the realms of leftist politics and leftist media must be known and, and affirmed now because that's just the way it is. Their conspiracy theories are front page news. They often use unnamed sources, right? Anonymous sources. And then they promote that story till the cows come home. But yet this story we mentioned about Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden and the Ukraine and all that, that we're not even, that's, that's a, that's based on emails. That's based on what people have said, not even anonymous sources. They won't even share that story. Right. Um, so regarding Trump's power to force change in the media, uh, Scott Lively in this article suggests that there is both a negative and a positive strategy the positive strategy is for President Trump to issue an executive order mandating ideological balance in all news media reporting uh, funded in any part by public monies or using public resources and creating a many-membered citizens' oversight commission to monitor compliance designed to ensure genuine ideological diversity among the overseers. He should also issue a separate executive order declaring the Internet to be a public resource equivalent to public lands and public airwaves, use of which is uh, subject to constitutional limitations. This latter executor, executive order would not only affect all private news media who use the Internet, but it would also solve the big tech bias problem in social media. But these actions, of course, would be challenged in the courts, Assuming that a newly conservative-leaning judiciary is uh, with us in 2021 next year, fresh from witnessing the narrowly defeated violent Marxist coup attempt of 2020, uh, assuming the possibility that President, President Trump will be reelected, uh, this would uphold the people's right to reform their media. So please, he ends this article by saying, please, God, for the sake of your remnant who want America to be restored to godliness and goodness. Let this come to pass. The article is evil. Too strong a word to describe the media from Scott Lively. I'll put that in today's podcast post at standardforthetruth.com. When we come back, the Smithsonian celebrates moral relativism and murder in an exhibit they're calling Girlhood and why President Trump's character is not the issue. More coming up in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, before we get into um, these other stories, according to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, the Apostle Paul writes, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Jesus is our foundation, the cornerstone, right? Um, my new article this week, Freedom Project, the Smithsonian is celebrating moral, moral relativism and murder. They joined Hollywood, public schools, liberal activist media, big tech corporations, and LGBTQ. Their exhibit is called Girlhood. It's complicated. 
In keeping with the modern celebration of godlessness, the museum features biological male Jazz Jennings, whose book they teach and share in public schools to younger young children, kindergartners, and they read to kids in public libraries. Jazz is a male, but he's he's transgender along with atheist, racist, eugenicist, and founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. You heard that right. It's called girlhood. Just another example of the direction of this culture of confusion and chaos, which has resulted from rejecting and abandoning God, history, and the truth of creation. God exists. He created the world and all things. He created humankind, male and female. The Smithsonian is part of the problem here, destroying the very definition of what it means to be a girl. (laughs) Let me share a quote from Malcolm Muggeridge. He said, One of the peculiar sins of the 20th century, which we've developed to a very high level, is the sin of credulity. It's been said that when human beings stop believing in God, they believe in nothing. The truth is much worse. They believe in anything. So, in honor of the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage, this exhibit explores girlhood through the lens of postmodernism and critical theory. So, Jazz Jennings is a reality TV star. I'm not sure if he's still on TV. But according to them, he has broken barriers to apparently celebrate girlhood. He had all the surgeries and did all the things, I guess. Um, He said he always knew he was, quote, a girl trapped in a boy's body. His family listened, learned, um, played along with it. Now, on this podcast, we've had on Laura Perry. She's a former transgender. There's a brand new movie that's coming out next week. It's called In His Image. We're going to try to get Laura Perry back on for at least a segment to talk about it. In His Image. I believe uh, the American Family Association is one of the organizations behind this. Um, Laura Perry, former transgender, featured in this movie. She's hoping to encourage others to avoid believing these same lies and making the same mistakes. She was influenced by those around her. She took hormones. She had the painful surgeries. She changed her name to Jake, lived like that for years. Lies promoted and celebrated by a culture that has denied God and now calls evil good. It's a painful past and what she, some people call it transition, but the bottom line is Laura came back to God. She admitted that she created a God in her own image. But we're seeing a lot of young people fall for this, friends. The religion of sex and the LGBT movement is powerful, perhaps, perhaps one of the biggest idolatries among young people today. Um, I'm just skimming through this article. I don't want to take up too much time. I'll post it in today's blog at standardforthetruth.com. But the Smithsonian also sugarcoats radical Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger. We've mentioned her extensively on this podcast. Uh, We previously exposed her in in a video called Who's Margaret Sanger and Why Should We Care? They make her out to be a hero of the poor and of inner cities, struggling people. Why? For helping them kill their offspring. Think about that. Did you know the Latin meaning for the word fetus is offspring. Another meaning for fetus is little one. Margaret Sanger helps eliminate a lot of little ones through Planned Parenthood. Um, Now, they do touch on the Smithsonian, Margaret Sanger's forced sterilization campaigns 100 years ago, and there's actually a little black-and-white photograph of a black woman protesting Margaret Sanger But predictably, there's no mention of her documented racist views or quotes. And another example of hypocrisy, a radical progressive feminist justify Margaret Sanger's legacy. Why? You know, because uh, choice, of course. Don't miss the tragic reality, though, that uh, girls and young women today are being programmed by Hollywood, by the education system in America, by corporations, by the entertainment industry, by the Democrat media. And, wow, we're, we're seeing the rotten fruit of that programming now, aren't we, after a generation. Um, many young women 
when they become pregnant for whatever reason, they look at it as a pregnancy as a problem to be dealt with rather than a gift from God. You know, God once said, be fruitful and multiply. Um, There's no room for abstinence education anymore in public schools. It's looked at as old-fashioned. Kids are going to have sex anyway, give them condoms, and if something happens, send them to Planned Parenthood. Um, E.W. Jackson and a group of black uh, ministers called for the removal of Margaret Sanger's bust from the Smithsonian in 2015, and they said, perhaps the gallery is unaware that Ms. Sanger supported Ms. Sanger supported black eugenics, a racist attitude toward blacks and other minority babies, an elitist attitude toward those she regarded as, quote, the feeble-minded. She didn't want them to um, have more children. The Negro Project is a notorious brainchild of Margaret Sanger, which sought to limit, if not eliminate, black births. Despite these well-documented facts of history, Margaret Sanger still celebrated in the Smithsonian Gallery as a hero of justice. She laid the foundation for this legacy of anguish, regret, grief, confusion, pain, and death during Planned Parenthood's now 100 years in business, and it's a big business. So today, Margaret Sanger and Jazz Jennings celebrated by the Smithsonian under uh, girlhood, womanhood, feminism. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us, right? I feel sorry for Jazz Jennings and transgenders who are struggling, kids who are believing lies that they're born in the wrong body or whatever other lie they're believing, that the only way they can be popular is to have sex. But let this be a reminder for us to have compassion, to not stop speaking the truth, but to really reach out and try to help them. They've been deceived. There are those who have sincerely been deceived by the world, and there are those who are on a a fast track to hell by purposely deceiving others. So we need to respond with love and compassion to them, to women who have had an abortion, to those who are struggling with gender dysphoria, and... uh, Share the hope of Jesus Christ that for those who are blind that they might one day see. Now, a weird transition here because we've only got five and a half minutes left, but there's a great article that that Shane Eidelman wrote um, about Trump's character not being the issue. I'm just going to share a few quotes from it. I'll put it in today's podcast. He's... um, How can you vote for Trump based on his character is the question we often hear. But the real question we should be asking is, what direction is the country heading, spiritually speaking? Obviously, character is important. But if a man has decent character, according to some, which Biden doesn't, yet believes in infanticide, socialism, same-sex marriage, and in euthanizing the disabled— Do we look at his character over his policies? Of course not. God doesn't judge a nation based on the character of one man. The president is hated not because of his character, but because of what he stands for. He is a disruptive force. If the abortion industry, George Soros, most of the Democrat media, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Hollywood, corporations, and big tech are all on your side Are you sure that you're on the right side, Christian friend? I don't want to hear about someone's character when they think it's okay to kill a child, even at nine months of gestation, and and then they reject the born alive bill. I'm not concerned with nice tweets when they promote real hate, support sexual perversion, and want to burn down our cities. To allow grown men to use restrooms with girls? This is why I can't take the character charge against President Trump too seriously. There's so much hypocrisy. The media is targeting his character because it's, it's all they have. As a matter of historical fact, people like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson never said Donald Trump was a racist until he became the Republican nominee. However, Joe Biden, true story here, was friends with segregationists and supported the busing of blacks. He called black people super predators once 
and wanted to lock them up in the 1990s via the crime bill. Now, we've all made mistakes. Even a Christian is not perfect. But this debate about presidential characters, it's not about character, presidential nominees. It's about right and wrong, truth and error, light and darkness. And let the, the facts and the policies speak, friends, not personality. From China to Russia and from foreign and internal terrorism, Trump is a terror to those who do evil, working hard against socialism and globalism. While other candidates like Biden remain silent, Trump is taking a strong stand against human trafficking and perversion. Are you against human trafficking? Do you know the work that Trump has done? Did you know that stricter border control has dropped human trafficking by 96% in border areas? Huh? I thought you were supporting the work against human trafficking, friends. Well, that's what Trump has done. You don't hear that in the media. He's earnestly seeking godly counsel. He listens to them. One pastor said, Trump is the only president I've met who really wants to know what the Bible says about something. I'm not saying he's a Christian. He might be or might not be. We want to see more fruit, of course, and more self-control, <laughs> less pride. But Trump supports prayer in schools and in the White House and Bible studies. He understands that separation of church and state is a myth, and the left wants to take Christian influence out of our country. And you, you cannot separate God from government. This is profound. Trump is also protecting the unborn. He's helping minorities in many ways, positive prison reform, the economy. Trump has appointed solid Supreme Court justices. He's, he sees the beauty in America's sovereignty and is against, again, globalism and socialism. He supports religious liberty, and he's behind pastors that open churches when COVID regulations and blue state governors would want to shut them down. To conclude, I hope you caught that the DOJ, Department of Justice, sent Governors, a strong warning against interfering with churches because of President Trump. And that's the only reason, particularly in California where Shane Edelman is, that the governor complied because the DOJ sent, don't mess with the churches. So who's on your side? He concludes the article by saying, I don't know about you, but I am voting for the side who is not burning down our country and wants to destroy America. The, the article, Trump's character is not the issue by Shane Eidelman. We got all that out today, friends. A lot of ground we covered. Thanks for listening. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Next week, Monday, we have Carl Tykrib back with us. Tuesday, Education expert Alex Newman going to talk about the deep state and the globalist threat. Pastor Paul Blair in a phenomenal podcast next Wednesday. Chad Thomas, first-time guest. He's a watchman on the wall and a warrior with a viral YouTube channel with prophecy updates. Chad Thomas next Tuesday, next Thursday. And then Eric Jackson, a young pastor from uh, the area. He'll be back with us talking about what it's like to be a feral Christian, a wild Christian. So that's a busy week next week. Thank you guys again so much for sharing this best of podcast, best of 2020, pastors and patriots about God and government, political and moral issues. Go to standardforthetruth.com. Look for the Mount Rushmore pictures, the light blue background with the sky. Share that podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.